0: Welcome to Accelerating Government with act IAC on Federal News Network.
1: Now your host, Dave Winogren.
2: Welcome to another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal marketplace as a nonprofit whose purpose is to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On today's episode, we're going to focus on a topic that's gaining a lot of attention, agile government term agile has gained popularity over the years, and while its roots can be found in the agile software development movement, today when we talk about agility, we broaden the aperture considerably, describing processes that change the very fabric of how the business of government is conducted. So let's get to it. I'm delighted today to be joined by Casey Coleman, Terry Girton, Ed DeSev, and Dan Chinnock an outstanding group of government and industry executives. I'm going to introduce each of them and give them a chance to offer a quick introductory thought on why Agile matters. Casey Coleman is Senior Vice President for Global Government Solutions at Salesforce and former GSA CIO. Welcome back to the show, Casey. It's great to have you. And in a sentence or so, what's one reason why you think the subject Agile is so important today? thank you dave i'm glad to be here and
3: glad to be with everyone else and it's it's really critical for the time we're in we're in a world where everything is changing faster than we typically have been able to process it and adapt and so agile is not just about technology it's about everything else that goes into delivering the mission so agile is the word of the day
2: yes it is all right casey it's great to have you back with us terry gertman is the president and ceo of the national academy of public administration former senior executive at the Department of Labor and Army officer at West Point Grad. Terry, welcome to the show. And what's the reason you'd like to offer Why Agile Matters? Well,
4: Dave, delighted to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to be with this August group. I would amplify what Casey said about everything moving faster, but I would say it's moving faster than government bureaucracy can keep up. And so that means that government operations are always way behind threats like cybercrime, and opportunities like customer service expectation. An agile government gives us a way to approach those opportunities so that the people who work in government can respond, not just faster, but they can anticipate and get ahead of those challenges. So I think it's a real change to a proactive management style.
2: Very good. Dan Chuck is the executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government former OMB executive and both a NAPA fellow and former chair of ACT-IAC. Welcome back to the show, Dan. How about you? What's one reason why Agile is important to you? Thanks,
1: Dave, and it's great to be here with my fellow panelists and you on the show. I think another element of agility is the fact that it calls for iteration, meaning doing things in small pieces that you can sort of set things out one at a time. When government tries to do big things all at once, It often sort of goes over budget or behind schedule so government needs to think big but execute small and agile in its embrace of iterative development in both technology and also program management really addresses that issue
2: all right dan and rounding out our panel of experts ed desev is the coordinator of the agile government center at the national academy of public administration and the Agile Visiting Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Ed's distinguished resume would fill today's show. And so I will just note that in addition to leading President Obama's implementation of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, he's taught at one of my alma maters, the University of Maryland, and he served as the Deputy Director for Management and Controller at the Office of Management and Budget. And that's where I first met Ed. As a newly minted deputy CIO of the Department of the Navy, back in those days, you had to present your technology credentials to the deputy director for management before taking up your post. I was grateful for his mentorship then and that he let me take the job. And I've been grateful for your leadership and friendship ever since. Welcome to the show, Ed. We'd love to hear a reason why you believe Agile is so important.
0: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. You talked earlier about the scope of Agile, and I want to underline that. We're talking about Agile development of policy, Agile regulations, Agile program implementation across the spectrum of governments that's international. In doing that, we want to demonstrate that you can improve the competence of government. And by improving the competence of government, you can improve trust in government. And the way to do that is to adopt Agile techniques across the three areas I talked about. That's the importance of of Agile. I don't believe that it will be the flavor of the month. I believe that it will be embedded In the way we do things, just as you and I have better teeth because we have water that contains fluoride. Agile government is the fluoride that will make the teeth of government stronger.
2: I love it. I'm going to hang on to that. Let's turn back to you, Casey. You recently testified before the Congressional HISCAC Subcommittee on Emerging Technology and Spending Oversights. You've also been talking with executive branch agencies. What's the sort of focus and attention of Congress in regard to these issues around technology modernization and agility? And what are you seeing?
3: Well, I'm seeing a real focused effort to learn from what we have seen emerge through the COVID pandemic. You know, as as the world changed around us and the health threats and economic threats of the pandemic kind of manifested themselves, it it was evident that government had a a critical role in securing the the safety and the, the well-being of people around the world. And so a lot of good has come about even in the you know the, the tragedy of this crisis and so both the legislative and executive branches are looking to see what lessons have been learned because there were a lot of really practical policy adaptations, things like allowing for telehealth and reimbursing for virtual health visits across state lines and being able to see your doctor with a, with a video uh, meeting rather than going in person to the doctor's office, relying on digital signatures much more widely rather than having to come into an office and file an application for benefits in person. And so a lot of these things, uh, like Ed said, this is, a, this is a shift that we can take advantage of permanently. And so, there's a lot of interest uh, both in, in both branches to make sure that we're doing that, and we're we're capturing this these lessons as we're as we're learning them, and not letting it kind of age before we can act.
2: Yeah. Do you, do you feel like there's an appreciation with Congress, with staffs, and members about the the value of agile in this more broader aperture than than its original definition with software and stuff?
3: I do, and I think one reason is because. Um, it, it, just as the others have said, the, the the world is moving so quickly. And one of the things that, uh, that Dan said is that Agile means iterating and, and moving in small steps and delivering results quickly. That's particularly relevant, not just in, in the health crisis of the pandemic, but also with the cybersecurity threats that we're facing. Because as new threats come up, you have to act quickly and, and implement security and, and new defenses and protect against different vectors. And Agile lets you do that in a way that you're not – you're not waiting for for long periods of time before you come out with new capabilities. So I, I I see the interest from a lot of different lenses, and I think it's real.
4: Very good,
2: Terry, the National Academy of Public Administration, known as NAPA to those in the public sector, is that were has taking some dramatic steps in recent years with its focus on grand challenges in public administration. Tell us a little bit more about that work, and particularly how it launched your interest in agile government. Sure. The Academy established the Grand Challenges
4: in 2019, pre-COVID. Uh, we spent a year crowdsourcing ideas um, and sorting through them to identify the most critical issues facing the nation where public administrators could have the greatest impact. So as we thought about that, it really transformed our perspective on public administrators away from bureaucracy itself and better management processes, but to how public administration could impact really big issues. Um, And so these are things like connecting individuals to meaningful work, fostering social equity, building resilient cities, ensuring data security and individual privacy. But when we published the list of the 12 grand challenges, we also said that government would have to work differently to meet those challenges. So we identified six cross-cutting management issues that needed to be addressed to enable this new kind of integrated governance that could help solve the grand challenges. And right at the top of that list was conducting the government's business in an agile manner. So then we had to think about, well, what does that mean? And how would we teach people to operate in a more agile government manner if we wanted them to implement uh, to change how they operated to solve the Grand Challenges. And so with the great assistance of EDDACEV and the partnership of Dan Chenick and the IBM Center for the Business of Government, we established the Agile Government Center and announced it at the same time as we did the Grand Challenges. And we envisioned that the center would do three things, that it would serve as the hub of a network that would bring together all of the partners that needed to be at the table. So government, organizations at all levels, nonprofits, foundations, academic institutions, and private sector partners to share their learning about Agile government. Uh, The second would be to assist in developing and disseminating principles of Agile government and case studies about Agile uh, policies and programs uh, in real life that would help people envision what it looked like to to do government in an Agile way. And the third was to be a source of assistance to those who want to adopt and implement Agile to provide better public goods and services. Um, And to Ed's point, do it in a way that builds citizen confidence and public trust. So that was what we had in mind. And now here we are almost two years later with a group that's really got momentum and is engaged in especially that shared learning and the development of stories and cases and practices around how you do
2: agile for real. And I think that's where we'll pick it up when we come back. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our agile government discussion with Casey Coleman, Terry Gurdon, Ed DeSev, and Dan China. I'm Dave Wundergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by act on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wennergren, CEO of ACTIAC. On today's show, we're talking about agile government, why it matters, what's going on, and what are the changes coming that you'll need to be aware of. I'm joined for this conversation by four outstanding leaders: Casey Coleman, Senior Vice President for Global Government Solutions at Salesforce, Terry Girton, President and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration. Ed DeSed, coordinator of the Agile Government Center and Agile Visiting Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and then Dan Chinnock, the executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Let's continue our conversation. As we went to break, Terry was talking about the grand challenges, work of the National Academy, and the, the need for a center for agile government. So it's a perfect segue to you, Ed. You've done so much in your career. What lured you back to want to lead the Agile Government Center? And how is it organized and what's it working on?
0: Hey, thanks very much. That's a, a good question. I had lunch with Terry about two years ago, and we were talking about the fact that throughout my more than 50 years of service in, in the public sector... Started as a
2: mere babe.
0: <laughs> ah, yes. Um, I, I learned a lot of stuff that I hadn't ever put down in a comprehensive way. So I said to Terry, what do you think about the, this this whole Agile idea being an organizing principle that would allow me to bring together many of the things I know. She thought that was a really good idea. And Joe Mitchell, God bless him, who's one of, one of Terry's very close confidence, uh, turned me onto a book called The Age of Agile by Stephen Denning, which I recommend to everybody. Once I went through Denning's book and thought more about how government could change itself internally, which is the only way it can happen, the culture has to change. And if that doesn't happen, if leaders and if followers can't get together and figure out how to change the culture so that they embrace the principles of Agile Government, we've got a problem. So Terry was nice enough to, along with Dan Chinook, put together a group of people who talked through the ideas of Agile Government. And um, a little over a year ago, a year ago in November now, uh, we articulated the principles of Agile Government in a web page based what should I call it, a monograph called the Road to Agile Government. I recommend that to you as well. It was uh, the work of many people. My name is on it, but we had lots of people helping us. And the Road to Agile Government basically outlines how any agency, small, large, medium size, doesn't matter, can switch to Agile methodology, Agile principles across all of its operations. We began to find that around the world, um, in places that you wouldn't think about, New Zealand, Australia, uh, the United Arab Emirates, Agile was in play. And that caused us to put together a network of people, uh, there are probably about 100 total people who were involved in the network around the world to articulate how to move forward with Agile government principles. And Dave, you're one of the stalwarts in that network, so we appreciate that.
2: A lot's been done already. I, I hear there's an organizing set of 10 principles. Do you wanna mention a couple of those that probably be of interest to the audience?
0: You know, because I am this old, uh, I can't remember all 10. That's <laughs> all
2: right. That's all right. But couple a the, couple of greatest hits.
0: It starts with a focus on mission. Uh, you need to articulate your mission properly and be driven toward achieving it. You also need a set of metrics that will tell you whether or not you're making that a journey toward your mission or not. You need to move with speed. This is not about sitting and saying, well, two or three years from now. This is about saying two or three days from now. Uh, President Biden used to give us directions and he said, you've got 24 hours to do this, this and that. We said, what? He said, yeah, 24 hours. That's it. Agile is the same way. It has a sense of urgency associated with it. It also relies on teams, also relies on networks, internal and external networks to focus on the customer experience, the customer journey, not just customer service, but every piece of the journey from when you pick up the phone to call the help desk all the way through, the resolution and the after resolution along the way. It needs to improve that customer journey by being able to bring leadership to the table who understand how to remove roadblocks along the way. These, that's a fabric of the agile principles, Dave, is be may not be may not have included each one like innovation and persistence, but it gives you a sense of what we're trying to do.
2: Excellent. we'll provide a link to the monograph so everybody can find the, the entire list but uh, it's really important work. Dan, we're going to turn to you now. You've been looking at this issue from a number of perspectives as the director of the IBM Center, as a NAPA fellow, and also as co-chair of the steering group for the act i Agenda 2021 Presidential Election Project. So what's your view on the common themes that all these initiatives are striving for? And what are you seeing going on in the market with Agile Thought? So
1: glad you brought up the uh, act i 2021 Election uh, initiative, which Casey and I were the co-chairs for, the Agile piece of that as well, um, and one of the premises of that was that the government ought, ought to adopt an Agile first approach, meaning you really ought to do something uh, based on the tenets of agility that Ed and Terry and Casey have outlined, and don't let government bureaucracy or, or rules and processes be obstacles. Find a way to act with agility, uh, even consistent with those with those requirements, which will always exist in government. So. Uh, the act project really thought about this as, as a framing principle for the new administration. And the fact that, uh, as we've heard, the Biden administration has come in and tackled such large challenges and done so quickly, I think is a testament to how they've acted with agility in a number of ways. Stepping back and thinking about the trends more broadly, one of the things that has been brought to the fore by the Azure Government Center um, and the work that we've done with like-minded colleagues at the federal, state, local level, and internationally is that there are, are multiple ways that agility can be uh, implemented and can have impact. One is through educating our uh, future leaders who are in schools of public policies, public management, um, and training them with competencies about how to act with agility once they get into their jobs working in or with government. Similarly, training people who are currently in government who sometimes are Uh, uh, act and and react within uh, long-term kind of bureaucratic processes, training them to get out of those uh, silos that can can constrain Agile uh, behavior and how to sort of act uh, quickly, uh, iteratively work with customers more effectively in their jobs. So how they perform their work is affected. Um, how they interact with the end user uh, often government uh, employees and the contractors that work with government are kind of locked within Buildings and offices and one of the things the pandemic's done is by nationalizing where the workplace It's actually um, brought people in in some ways at local government levels closer together in terms of the service delivery point becoming much more apparent as to the, as to the value of government delivering those services to people who need it um, at the local level so how to interact with customers and get feedback from them and improve, use that feedback to improve, and this is the fourth point, the outcomes of the program. Ed mentioned outcome orientation as a key principle. So by working through these different areas, educating people, how they do their work, how they interact with customers, and how they deliver and drive to outcomes that they then learn from and improve, you kind of bring together a lot of these strands, and it shows how agility can really carry through all elements of governance.
2: Well said, Dan. Casey, as Dan pointed out, you were co-chair on the Agile paper for the Act IAC election project. Uh, It had had a lot of great themes in there around, you know, being more customer-centric, adopting commercial approaches, reducing silos. There there a few thoughts that you'd like to add into what Dan already mentioned about the paper?
3: Yeah, I kind of want to flip-stomp the Agile first policy because one of the things that made cloud uh, successful in the early days of the Obama administration was the cloud first policy that created... Top cover and reset expectations about cloud being the first choice rather than the last choice. It gave people um, a, a, a framework for action, and I think agile first as a as a policy does that as well. And really, what what Dan said is is so true about government. So much of how government services are delivered historically and traditionally is from the inside out, according to how the bureaucracy is structured. But really to rethink that and operate it on an Agile basis, you have to start from the outside and work in. Start with the customer, the constituent, the stakeholder, the mission beneficiary, whoever that is. And that, that just forces a different mindset and a different way of acting because you, you don't know everything about what's needed. But in, in iterative sprints, you learn and adapt. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about Agile in sort of a technology-oriented way. But it really is all functions. It's all around the mission and delivering every part of it in an agile fashion.
2: To me, that's, that's one of the key themes: is that, that these themes that you talk about, they have a technology lens, but they, they have so much, much broader application to all the major processes yeah. of, of the government. And, and that's where I'd like to come back to after we take a short break. We'll uh, we'll be back. Up next, when we return, we'll continue exploring the changes that are coming as Agile government takes hold in the market. I'm Dave Wintergreen, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave and CEO of Actiac. and joining me today for our conversation on Agile Government are Casey Coleman, Senior Vice President for Global Government Solutions at Salesforce, Terry Girton, President and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration, Ed DeSev, Coordinator of the Agile Government Center at the National Academy of Public Administration and Agile Visiting Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and Dan Chuck, the Executive Director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. All are thought leaders and all have had distinguished careers as government executives. So they have looked at life from both sides now and how Agile will affect the marketplace as we know it. So let's get back to our conversation. There is just so much going on, and I'm interested in hearing you all talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the market that our audience would be interested in and what's coming up next. And so let's let's start with you, Casey, and we'll say uh, what are some of the top near-term Agile opportunities that you're seeing for the federal government to take advantage of?
3: Well, I think the obvious opportunities in the kind of near-term framework are the ones where there's a a direct service delivery to the public. Not everything the federal government does is is in direct interaction with the public. There's a lot of regulatory functions and and broader functions like DOD, but things like um, take, for example, the U S department of agriculture has rolled out a a portal for farmers and ranchers called uh, farmers.gov. And it is a single place to go for all the services that USDA provides, whether it's crop loans or, Uh, insurance or information about conservation, regulation, whatever that may be. Uh, In the past, you would have to either go into an office or kind of navigate the different programs to find the resources you needed. And now you can do it all in one place, on your own time with your mobile device, get help yourself or get help from some resource expert within the USDA. That's a real model that I think serves a lot of other use cases. Whether it's health or veterans or small businesses. So, that kind of service to the public, I think, is a, is a situation where there's a lot of good models and uh, best practices already emerging and developed
2: that others can follow. How about you, Terry? What are you seeing that's uh, applicable to the federal government?
4: Yeah, I think there are two really important opportunities. One is uh, to the point that uh, Dan and Casey made about Agile first embedding the concept of agile government in the president's management agenda so that they explicitly endorse the concept and so that people understand they have permission to be agile i think that's one of the the, uh, the boundaries that people struggle with is they're not sure they're allowed to be so if it was embedded in the president's management agenda as a way of doing government i think that's a really important first step and the second gets to my point at the top of the show about needing government to move more quickly, tackling the uh, regulation process um, and building an agile regulation process that can anticipate opportunities, that can respond quickly, that can adapt and change as new information arises, I think is, is a necessity to make government relevant or the pace of change that we experience today.
2: I'm sure the president's management agenda will be a topic of future shows. It would be so important to all the work that we're trying to get done. And so as, as we talk, if any of you are hearing things about what's going on with the PMA, I, you know, I'd love to, I know our audience would love to hear about topics. I, 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 hear, I hear a lot of focus on customer experience, which is really important, as well as uh, issues of equity and trust. And, and those are all just going to be really important things to advance the cause of agile. So, Dan, how about you? What are, what are you seeing going on in the federal market?
1: So I think uh, a couple of things. One, the world has been working in a different way for the last 18 months or, or, or so uh, in terms of how they do their work. And, and as government employees, many of whom were home, many of their contract nonprofit partners were home, come back in. Uh, an agile approach to maintaining the benefits of, of speed and, um, and sort of the benefits of online services that Casey and Terry talked about, uh, while also of coming back together and and taking advantage of the fact that we can be together again and hopefully um uh, the course of the of the pandemic will subside in a manner that that can continue over the, over the coming months but creating these kind of hybrid workplace environments that allow people to both work together in person and from a distance and sort of can create new ways of of bringing together teams and team dynamics that, that's one approach i i think a second is is in the area of government procurement um, a lot of people have complained about how government buys goods and services for decades and the fact that it's a long process and involves a lot of bureaucracy, it, it tends to be um, uh, rigid in, in its application and not being able to, to sort of change as things go along once a contract is awarded. And agility applied to the procurement space is something that both the U.S. federal as well as other countries have done really interesting things to experiment and how to apply Agile techniques to that particular field of governance. And we haven't talked so much about government procurement, but it is a, a, an almost trillion-dollar annual business. Um, uh, and uh, it, it, much of what the government does gets done through this by private sector partners. And so applying agility, I think, can help drive performance and outcomes in all of that work that's supplied by, by the partners to government
2: is music to my ears. I mean, as we all know, the acquisition process can be very complex and take a long time. And, uh, and particularly when you talk about technology adoption, if, you, if you're not moving fast enough to keep up with the pace of technology, then you're, you're already behind by the time you're implementing stuff. So I, I think it's just a really fertile ground to think about how do you apply agile precepts to uh, to the acquisition process, and because what you see nowadays, I think, is a lot of times people sort of work around the acquisition process by doing things like other transaction authorities and other ways. This sort of, but 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 you don't have to. I mean, you could use the FAR and still do things rapidly. And so, I, I th- I'd love to maybe talk some more about that as we go forward. But before we do that, Ed, let's hear from you. Uh, what are some near-term agile opportunities for the federal government that you're excited about?
0: First, I don't want to associate myself with Terry's remarks. Uh, The President's Management Agenda was conceived when the President's Management Council was created back in the early 90s uh, under the Clinton administration. And each year as they began, the PMC took a series of steps to implement certain kinds of programs. So for example, early in the Clinton administration, the President made a, a commitment that he was going to reduce the size of government. And the PMC put together a series of activities, checking each agency's work, and reducing the number of employees in government. And it was done centrally by the PMC. The CFO Council has recently put out a 10-year plan for the Council. The CFO Council was also created in the early 90s following the uh, CFO Act. And they've adopted Agile principles to do the work of the CFO Council itself, and recommended those principles. Out to the chief financial officers in the major agencies in the federal government. I think the opportunities are literally to go council by council, to the CFO council, to the PMC, to the CFOs, to the CIOs council, to the, uh, the the personnel management, the Chico's council, and ask them to begin the process of implementing agile principles. The first thing I'd ask them to do is to look for cases. And we talked earlier today in a meeting Dave and I were in about secret agile or covert agile. Many people have have done things in an agile way without putting down a roadmap of agile principles first. So I would ask that these, each of these each of these councils look at cases where their members have acted in an agile way and share that experience one with the other. Because when you see what agile looks like, to somebody who looks like you, it makes it much easier for you to go forward and be agile. And Casey hit it right in the nose, having permission, having top cover from the DDM and ultimately from the OMB director and maybe even from the president or the chief of staff, having that top cover is absolutely essential. Uh, Joe Biden gave me top cover when I was working in the Recovery Act and it was absolutely essential because We had other people who didn't really like the Recovery Act, like they don't like the CARES Act. So having top cover made it easy for me to do my job. So President's Management Agenda, working through the councils, developing cases, and giving people top cover to be agile first is what I think needs to be done.
2: Very good. We're, let's talk about, you know, I'm a hopeless optimist, but, uh, but I will say everything's not easy. And so there are challenges associated with this. We've only got about a minute or so left in this segment, but Terry, let's start with you. What do you, what do you see as like a challenge that government leaders will need to address to be successful at this change in process?
4: Well, I will say the Academy just complete, recently completed a study that was found, funded by the Samuel Freeman Charitable Trust and the Project Management Institute on how to implement Agile at the federal level. And we identified three principal barriers. One is a lack of knowledge and understanding. People just don't know what agile is, so they don't know how to do it. The second is cultural and behavioral barriers like risk aversion and a perceived absence of permission. And we just kind of touched on that. And the third is real regulatory and procedural barriers. Some of the things you want to do agilely, there are rules against. And so we need to go in and we need to find where those are. and We need to tackle them uh, sort of one at a time. Um, so so there are clear indicators where people are challenged, but there's also solutions to those challenges.
2: Very good. We're going to come back to that because it's just such an important topic, but we're going to have to take a short break now. So uh, when we return, we'll turn our attention to the future. And what's next as agile government takes root and grows and grows. I'm Dave Winogren. You're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by act on the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wennergren, CEO of act and I am absolutely delighted to be joined today by four outstanding leaders as we talk about a really important topic, agile government. What does it mean and where are we going from here? Casey Coleman is Senior Vice President for Global Government Solutions at Salesforce. Terry Girton is President and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration. Ed DeSeves, coordinator of the Agile Government Center at the National Academy of Public Administration, an Agile visiting fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and Dan Chenock is the executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. As we went to break, we were talking about challenges, that change does not come easily, and so I'd like to throw it back over to Casey to talk a little bit more about some of the challenges that government leaders will need to make sure they address to embrace Agile
3: yeah I really love Terry's list of uh, barriers, including knowledge and understanding of how agile is carried out, regulatory and procedural limitations and culture and to that, I would add leadership. I think that this is something that is important at the highest levels at the appointee level, the agency head and the deputy head it's not just something you can delegate to uh, you know to to your agile team um, because this is about Fulfilling the the business of government, fulfilling the public trust, as Ed said, and to do so in a way that's responsible requires agility. And so I think leadership and leadership understanding, support and commitment is the fourth uh, barrier and, and conversely success factor that I would mention.
2: Yeah, it's that powerful combination of leaders declaring strategic intent, but then also checking back in and, and measuring progress. And talked about metrics as a crucial part of this. And and whether you call it management by attention or management by embarrassment, the things that we measure are indeed the things we focus our time and attention on. So if the leaders just talk about it once and then they'll come back to it, you know, it doesn't have the same impact. Every month, John Koskinen used to ask us how we were doing with Y2K at every federal agency. And, for some reason, no one wanted to say we weren't doing anything. Yeah, so The leader needs to check back in. It's a great point. It is a team sport, Dan, and, and you've been working on both sides for so long, government and industry. Well, government and industry has to work together to make this talk work. You talked about a trillion dollars, and it goes to the private sector to help support the government. What can the industry do to support the agile government efforts, and what changes should they be on the lookout for as they survey the market in the year ahead?
1: Well, clearly, the Agile Government Network that Terry and Ed described is a good example of, of a community where government and industry leaders can come together to innovate around uh, how government can adopt agility and to provide a resource for uh, sharing of best practice in cases. And so, in addition to the contracting <coughs> uh, mechanism that, that where the trillion dollars is basically exchanged, the government buys services from industry. Industry also brings practices where they're learning both in their dealings with government and also in their dealings with some of their commercial customers, because a lot of the companies that work with, with government are involved in other sectors, in financial services, in manufacturing, and so they're seeing trends and best practices, and governments can learn from from those experiences and how to adopt new technologies, which, which is uh, such an important part of it. We talk about agile being more than technology, but it does involve technology as a key element and bringing together new technology, how government can adopt cloud-based frameworks, how it can adopt emerging technologies to serve citizens better through gathering data more effectively using artificial intelligence or robotics process automation and some of the other um, newer technologies that government's adopting. All of that's important. But in addition, government operates in an ecosystem where the nonprofit sector is contributing. They're often advocating for communities that are recipients of government programs. The academic sector, which provides both the research that informs government. But also, as I said earlier, the leaders, the future leaders of government come from universities. Uh, universities are such an important partner in terms of, of operating in communities where local governments provide services and getting the universities and governments to work together and having the companies that are working often with both parties uh, to provide uh, best practice in that regard is important. And then finally, across this entire ecosystem, we've talked a lot on, the, on this in this discussion around the public. And how industry and government can work together to reach members of the public who are every day receiving government services and also receiving services from some of their favorite private sector businesses. And so the government can learn from the public about what industry is doing to help them as consumers and adopt those practices in delivering their programs.
2: Dan created a really exhaustive list there of really important things. And so I'll just do a jump ball for Terry, Casey, and Ed, is there anything else that you'd like to pile on about uh, things that industry should be doing to support the agile government efforts?
0: You, uh, You mentioned Y2K, which is now a distant but fond memory. The way John ran things was he got a network together of mainly private sector organizations working together with their federal counterparts, typically the chief operating officer of each department. And together, they developed a plan that could be the electric power industry, where they aviation industry or others. And that kind of working together was unusual. I think the, um, the financial services folks really enjoyed being part of a conversation with SEC, with the Treasury, about how to solve a problem. I see that model being able to be replicated in other places. And I think that the willingness of industry to join, not just the industry that serves government, but industry that serves people generally, to join in the conversation about how agility can be brought from what they're doing into what the federal government is doing. So I'm excited about the fact we can create networks that include folks outside government to bring service to government and make it better.
2: We have about three minutes left in the show. There's just stuff we could talk about all day long on this important topic, because it touches on all the elements of transformation. But, But I would like to ask you all to break out your crystal ball or your magic eight ball or your favorite prognostication tool and talk about a little bit about like, it's a year from now, what would you like to have seen accomplished that will that should give us all like great hope for the future? So uh, we'll start with you, Ed, as you're running the center there, what would you like to see a year from now? What would you like to be celebrating?
0: What I'd like to see is that virtually every agency understands what agile is about and how it can be adopted in their own organization. I don't know that in a year, although speed is certainly something we care about that people can actually go through and, implement major changes in an Agile way. I would like understanding diffusion of knowledge about Agile across organizations to be generally thought of. People, Agile first is what Casey said earlier. Uh, That's what we need.
2: Terry, you and NAPA have been absolute champions for this important topic and giving it air and momentum and light. What, What would you like to see a year from now? What would you like to be celebrating as successes as we move forward?
4: I think the thing that will tell me that the government is committed to Agile first is that they have implemented a deliberate training program for government managers and leaders at all levels on Agile principles. And because of that, we start to see pilot projects springing up across government. If we see that a year from now, I think we can be confident that the concepts of Agile are being
2: institutionalized. Casey, let's turn to you. You've been such a great champion for speaking out about the importance of moving with speed and agility. And What are some of the things you'd like to see accomplished over the next year? What should our audience be focused on?
3: Well, I, I, I love the mention of policy from Ed and training from Terry, and I would add to that. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see an emerging body of success stories that can start to inspire and educate the broader community so that we are not talking about this so much with, uh, you know, a, a pandemic related examples, as important as those are, but we're moving into the everyday business of government and starting to see agile take hold across the various missions of the spectrum.
2: Thanks, Casey. Dan, you have been just stalwart in every form and event you've been a part of that you've been really pushing for these, these issues. And so, Let's turn to you and talk a little bit about what would you like to see happen over the next year?
1: So tomorrow's leaders are learning today. Terry talked about training the current uh, generation of the workforce. I think as we look to the future, we want to think about how do we work with our partners in academia to deliver agile competencies to students who are going to be entering government from undergraduate, from graduate schools? Uh, how How can they come in and really operate this way from day one and have an upward impact Because a lot of the people that they work with in government will be used to sort of the long standing ways of working and and a new generation of leaders can come in uh, and help really influence uh, across a broad spectrum of activity.
2: I love it. And I feel like that's a great place to leave the conversation around the hope for the future and the new folks that will come in. I just want to say Casey, Dan, Terry, Ed, it has just been a joy to have you on the show. You're just, each one of you could have had a whole hour long episode to talk about all the stuff that matters. But thank you so much for joining us. And we'll definitely have you back to talk some more about what's going on. Maybe we should do it in a year and see how much of our, our optimism came true. On today's episode, we heard from some outstanding leaders on the power of Agile methodologies that fundamentally change the way that government operates and delivers services to the nation. Agile is no longer just a rallying cry within the software development world. but It is now also an opportunity to drive changes across government mission areas, to manage risks, better engage the customer, move with speed, and make sure that technology modernization efforts stay ahead of the pace of change. It's an opportunity for government and industry to learn from each other and work together to bring best practices to federal government efforts. Embracing the precepts of agile government is yet another way for us all to work together to accelerate government mission outcomes. I'm Dave Wondergren. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back with our next episode, and I hope you'll join us then. You've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by act on Federal News Network.
0: Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with act You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, electrical contractors. I'm Matt from ABB. Are rising costs and product delays keeping you up at night? We can help you contractor better. ABB's contractor resources are designed to help you increase productivity and profitability on your commercial construction projects. Check out Contractor Better today. Visit go.abb/contractorbetter